Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Jace. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm on the teaching team here. Um, I've been on a small little break from the pulpit since stepping down as a pastor. My family and I have had a lot of really cool things going on, but it's great to be back. See all your faces. Um, so first off, Family Worship Sunday, welcome all the kids in the room. I don't mind the noise. It's the parents that do. So if there's a little bit of noise, it's okay. You're not bothering me. Just check with your mom and your dad. Um, but you're welcome to be here. It's good to see all of your little faces. Um, so 2023 has been a really significant year for my family for a number of reasons. But one of them is, like Johnny said, I'm in the middle. I've, we're working on a middle grade fantasy fiction book for kids. Um, we're inches from the finish line. It's almost uh, published. So thank you to a lot of you who have made that happen. That's what we've been hard at work on. Um, it is not an exaggeration to say that almost overnight, much of our time has been transformed, and we now spend a lot of our work, like our working hours, on this creative um, artistic project. And we've gone from having this little dream to like full-on stewarding this thing that we really care about. Um, and it's been like the greatest blessing, I can't even tell you. Um, and so this sudden switch from um, running a little artist studio out of our house now has made me realize how little I know about doing creative work and also as like a business. Because um, when you actually pair up that with the business side of things, it gets tricky and I'm really bad at it. So recently I was in the library and I stumbled on this book called Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull and I picked it up because I thought it looked fun. Um, Ed Catmull is the former president of Walt Disney Animation Studios and the co-founder of Pixar, which in case you've been living under a rock, are the two of the most titanically humongous and creatively prolific companies on the planet. Um, and Ed, who was this nerdy kid from Utah, of all places, um, was, the, is the captain, was the captain of the ship for many years. And so the whole thing felt too fascinating to pass up. So I snagged it. Great read. Had a fun time. But there's one thing I wanted to share with you all today, since we have some kids in the room. So kids, this one's for you. Um, and all of you who are kids at heart, who are these guys? You guys know? Woody and Buzz, good. Most of you know Woody and Buzz. Okay, so whether you've seen the movie or not, you probably know that in the 90s, 1995 to be exact, which kids, that's a long, long time ago, Disney and Pixar's Toy Story hit the box office Thanksgiving weekend, and it changed the game for animated feature films. It was the first feature film Computer animated. <laughs> so it was an instant hit, and suddenly this risky little startup tech company called Pixar, now betting all of its chips on um, telling animated stories, became globally known. Yeah! And with Toy Story as its launch pad, Pixar would proceed to crank out quality feature films for the families for the next four decades. Kids, you're probably finding your favorites on here. And Pixar, let me tell you, it enjoyed freakishly positive universal success, each film topping the next, like year after year after year. It was insane. But Ed Catmull's aim in writing his book was to take the reader behind the scenes and show you that this glorious thing, these movies, they don't just, didn't just happen. Toy Story didn't just come to be because a few people had a good idea and they worked really well together and they all got along. No way. So here's the picture of Woody again. You guys all know him. This is the 1995 movie theater version of Woody you're all familiar with. But what might be news to you is that when the team of movie makers all got together years before to actually sit down and write the toy story, Woody looked very different. This is what Woody used to look like, kids. That's right. This is the original Woody. And in the original version of the story, kids, Woody was the bad guy. Yeah, 
a mean, villainous, ventriloquist dummy. That was the bad guy. How are we doing, children? So the lovable character of Buzz Lightyear, he was a side character. When he did finally make an appearance, he wasn't Buzz Lightyear. He was Lunar Larry, <laughs> which is just great. And this is what he looked like. Um, so why, why am I bringing this up? Well, for one, it's Family Worship Sunday, and I want the kids to catch these references just as much as the adults. But really, I think there's something very simple and eternally profound here that we can all work with. When Toy Story was coming into existence, it was very rough, it was very unfinished, and it was very unformed. What it would become, Toy Story, the final product, was hardly even a speck of an idea in the imagination of the writers and directors of the film. Again, when they first got started, Woody was the bad guy. Nevertheless, still existing in their creative minds was the idea that of making this captivating story about toys who come alive when the grown-ups or the kids leave the room. And they could envision that reality, that one day that movie would exist and it would be this really good thing. But that's all that was there. So I want you to look at these pictures and think on this very basic idea. For something to be shaped and molded and formed into its beautiful final version requires a lot of intentionality and molding and work. It requires changing, it requires editing, and often that's a painful process because we're a long ways off from what it's meant to be. Good and beautiful things are not formed overnight, and they're not formed by themselves. Woody the bad guy and Lunar Larry, the sidekick, did not decide themselves that they want to just transform into Woody and Buzz, and that was that. In the New Testament, kids, you know your Bibles, you've been learning these stories downstairs. Do you guys remember the guy named Paul? Yes. Okay, Paul, he had an insanely life-changing moment on the road to Damascus where he encountered Jesus. And he decides, it was so insane that he decided to spend the rest of his life talking to people about that encounter and what Jesus then would do to his heart. So Paul was an avid reader of his Bible at the time, which we call the Old Testament. And he would write little letters to his friends. Maybe some of you do that. And when he would do that, he would often quote his Bible, his Old Testament. And so he says of his friends in Ephesus, which is a city, doesn't matter, also to everyone else in the world who wants to follow Jesus, so many of us here in the room, he says in Ephesians 2.10, this is what Paul says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word workmanship is the Greek word poema, which is where we get the word for poem or poetry. It's a word about creating something beautiful. We're like this glorious piece of art, but it's even better because we're alive and we move like toys, like Toy Story toys. <laughs> and we also, we also now cultivate this beauty as well. By calling us God's poema, Paul imagines God as this generous and glorious artist who is bringing about something beautiful with us. And we too have good work to do as we step into this calling. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes is written in Hebrew. When it's translated in Greek, um, before Paul's time, Paul would quote that version, and this is what um, Ecclesiastes says. God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So here's one way to think about the story of the Bible. God made this beautiful, good world. People were the crowning jewel of creation, but because humans were given this wonderful job of being like God to create and rule and make beautiful things too, they were also capable of having a choice of choosing good or bad. They had that dignity, and they chose darkness. 
They chose that which would kill them. This is the story of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And so what, when that happens, when the story takes a dark turn, what does God do? What, do, what does the great artist do when his sculpture has suddenly been toppled to the ground, vandalized, and ruined? What does God do when he looks at his poema and he knows what it could be and what it should be and what it ought to be, but what it's very far from? He rescues it. And from the misshapen, ugly, broken lump of clay, God begins to work as the good potter. He begins to form his poema into the glorious shape it was destined for. Like Michelangelo, who looked at that piece of marble rejected by the other artists, true story, deemed a piece of garbage by his contemporaries, he took it and made out of it the statue of David. So we're talking about our core values as a church, presence, community, mission, and today's about formation. And really, all of these are interconnected. They all inform one another. But we're going to hone in on a simple fact of life today about formation. We are not what we ought to be yet. We have not arrived. We're not fully mature. It's Family Worship Sunday. And even as we look out and we see all these kids and you're hearing like candy wrappers and you're watching things getting kicked and coffees are spilling on the carpet right now, um, we have this picture in front of us that we're all just growing. We're all like kids before our father being molded and formed. And like any good parent knows, we're all impressionable, like clay. We're very much formed by our environments, our cultures, our family values, our school, our media, our church. Therefore, what we show up to and give ourselves to every day will play a role in shaping us. This is why I like thinking about Woody and Buzz. How did we get from being the mean, villainous cowboy and Lunar Larry to Woody and Buzz? Because Ed Catmull and his team of artists got to work every day to shape and mold these characters in this story until it took the form it was always meant to take. You see, the Bible speaks of humanity's destiny as it comes under the reign of King Jesus. And men and women, you and me, all you kids in the room, we're like these little strange characters that are still being shaped. But there is a beautiful and creative mind at work in our lives who wants to shape and mold us into something good. The Bible says that as God's children, we're being molded into the shape of the Son to look like Jesus. I'm not going to read all of these. This is, just, this is just a couple in the New Testament that all say the same thing. These verses don't mean that we're going to be like these robot clones of Jesus where we look like him physically. Frankly, my hairline does nothing for me if I were to grow out the long Jesus hair. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. No, the Bible's promise is about all of us, our children, you in the room, all of us, as we take Jesus' hand, he fills us more with his spirit and begins to transform us into what we ought to be into the beautiful poema God has in mind for us, where to our core, we become good, right humans, walking upright as these stunning image bearers of God. And just like any good artist knows, the most significant times of formation and molding and editing, that's all done when others, other sets of eyes, are brought into the process. It was when Ed and the others at Pixar took villainous Woody and Lunar Larry to the execs at Disney and then they realized in that pitch meeting that they had a very strange and dark story on their hands. It was not the original. It wasn't even suitable for children. It was just flat out bizarre. And they're like, what is, what is this? And it took some outside perspective to mold it into what it was supposed to become. When Leonardo da Vinci was on the rise as a sought-after artist in his own day, he had a studio where he would set up his little students at their easels, and they would all copy 
his famous paintings. He, had, he would do this for them. They would copy it, and then he would stroll behind them with his paintbrush, and he would correct them, correct the strokes, constantly showing them what they should do to make it like his. Um, he, they, he would hone it and smooth that technique, editing in real time their work so that they could then pick up the technique. In this respect, here's my question. What is God's paintbrush in this analogy? How does he mold and shape us in real time, us? When the God of the Bible interacts with his creation, pay attention, when he molds his poema, 95% of the time, he does so through human beings by the power of his Holy Spirit, which means this. We all have a role to play in shaping one another. All of you grown-ups, you have a role to play in shaping the lives of these kids in the room. For whatever reason, that's God's favorite way of working. We actively choose to enter into community. We willingly give ourselves to our friends and our close allies in the Lord because we believe somehow that we're not what we ought to be yet, and we need the generous, loving, caring hands of the Creator God to mold and form us into what we ought to be. We bring our rough edges into each other's lives honestly, vulnerably, knowing that they might get smoothed out and they might, might hurt a little bit. Editing is a painful process sometimes, and as a young, little, naive author, I feel like I have to swallow that reality every day. So I'm going to invite you all to stand, and I want to invite the Wixels to come up for uh, ministry time. <clears throat> it's the fastest sermon of my life. <laughs> if, here's what we'll say. Um, if, if we want to be formed into the image of Christ, where we flourish alongside each other, living out of love and generosity and overflow, then we have to be willing to be changed, to be edited, to be formed. Lunar Larry wants to become Buzz Lightyear, but he must be willing to throw himself into the hands of the artist to make him that way. And we're all just a bunch of Lunar Larrys in the hands of God. Um, and here we value formation because we believe that God's vision is the most beautiful one for our lives. So we're going to turn it over to the Wixels for ministry time, and we'll carry on.